Well, it's <clears throat> wonderful to be here tonight. It's actually a little strange to say tonight uh, instead of the morning. For years, my wife and I, uh, before we joined Central, <clears throat> we attended a, a little Reformed Baptist church, and they would have uh, a morning and an evening service on Sunday. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm getting a little nostalgic for the evening service. You're more likely to fall asleep during the evening service, but uh, I really missed it. There's something special about sharing the end of the day worshiping with God's people. Well, most of you, almost all of you, don't know me. My name's Steele, Steele Lane. Uh, <laughs> I work in horticulture in Chilliwack. I attend Axe Seminary part-time, uh, fitting courses around work as, as is possible. My lovely wife, Rebecca, is here with me tonight. Uh, we've been married three and a half years. We both work full-time. We both, we both go to school. I, I study theology. Rebecca here, she studies early childhood education. And we're about as wealthy as you would think uh, two perpetual students would be. And so by global standards, though, we do live like kings and queens. We also both have health issues that we struggle with on a daily basis. It's a bit of a challenge. There's more that I could go into, but these are our circumstances. This is our situation. We have a lot that should make us content. Yet if you followed me around with a camera for 24 hours, you would probably be surprised at how much I complain. If you knew every prayer request I had at men's group, you might be surprised how often discontentment comes up. What kind of circumstances do you face? Are you wealthy? Maybe you have a high-paying job, run a successful business. Are you struggling through an extended health issue? Are you going through a tough time in your life right now? Maybe something that you actually haven't shared with anyone else. Do you consider yourself to be a content person? Happy with what you have, with whatever situation you're in? Today we're going to be looking at contentment and what the secret is to finding it. Now the text this morning is in Philippians. We've been going through the book of Philippians this summer through a series called Joy in the Midst of Anything. And we head into this last part of the book. And sort of as a quick refresher here, Philippians, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And despite being written by someone who is he's in prison, he's suffering, he's gone through a great deal of suffering, he, you see rejoicing and joy come up quite a bit. And overall, Paul is writing to encourage the Philippians, encouraging them to press on well, to continue to look to Jesus, and to thank them for their service to him. And as we get to the end of the letter, and Paul is thanking the Philippians for their gift to him, and also letting them know that he is content, he's letting them know he's content in all situations. He's happy for their gifts, but he's also happier for the Godward focus of their gifts. He's a person who has learned the secret of being content in every circumstance. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn with me to Philippians 4. I'll start reading in verse 10. 
So that's Philippians 4, verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have been you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for gathering us together this evening for worship, for uh, gathering us together here in the building through all of the, the twists and turns of tonight. You are sovereign, Lord, and we, we thank you for, for being in here and being able to gather together. I pray that you would keep my words faithful to you. That what I say to, tonight would be what you would have to say. And that all of our hearts would be open to hear, mine and everyone's. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, we're focusing on contentment this evening and learning from Paul and the secret that he has learned. So we, we'll be looking at three things from the passage here. Uh, first, circumstances and our discontentment. Secondly, the true source of contentment. And finally, the outflow of true contentment. So first, let's look at circumstance and our discontentment. Paul says here that, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And the impression here, at least this is the impression I got when I first read this, is that Paul has learned to be content in, in need, in low circumstances. He's in prison when he's writing this. He's, he's suffering, and he's reliant on others to even be fed, to even eat. Life is hard. But in that difficulty, he's learned how to be content when the things around him are not the things that should be bringing contentment. And that is definitely true, but I'd like to expand it a little bit here because I think that's, that's what Paul is doing here by speaking of plenty and hunger, abundance and need. 
There's a danger on all sides. Those who have nothing, they face discontentment. They face putting their hope in the wrong place. But those who have plenty face the same danger. So I'm actually going to read a, a section of Proverbs. This is Proverbs 30, verse 7 to 9. I think it helps shine a light on how there is actually a danger on both sides here. So I'll just read this out. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So what's the author of Proverbs asking here? Well, he's not specifically speaking about contentment, specifically, but he knows his own heart. He knows that when we're rich, or when he's rich, he's likely to forget God. His heart will focus on the riches instead of the person who gave him those riches. And if he's poor, he'll be forced to do things that they don't honor God at all, just to survive. There's a, there's a danger in the mountaintops of life, but there's also a danger here in the valley as well. So Paul, going, coming back to Philippians in our text today, he's specifically talking about contentment about facing all different kinds of situations. Poverty, riches, sickness, health, persecution, prestige. Every situation we can find ourselves in. And there can be a tendency in every single one of those towards discontentment. If I can get a little bit personal again, and I'm usually not a sharer, but if you'll bear with me, I've been living with some fairly significant health issues with my back for the last couple of years. I don't want to make it sound like I've suffered extraordinarily. Um, I mean, I have one friend who's been living with sort of dis disabling chronic pain for the last five years. So, I mean, that's a whole other level. But, I mean, it's definitely something that's plagued me. And here is where my own heart goes uh, when I'm going through this. I'm 29 years old. Why do I have to do stretches in the morning just to be able to stand up straight? Why do I need to take medication for inflammation? Why should I have to deal with fatigue from this disease when I should be in the prime of my life? You know, I start thinking, this isn't fair. I'm discontent. This isn't what life is supposed to be like. And then I think, I would be content if I didn't have this. If I could do more. If I didn't have this issue, then I'd be kicking life's butt. Without this cloud hanging over me, I could face life and be content. But that's a lie I'm telling myself, isn't it? If I were perfectly healthy, I'd find a whole bunch of other things to be discontent about. I mean, right now, I'm putting my trust and my hope in my health for contentment. But if I had health, then some other thing would be the thing that I'm falsely putting hope in. We've got dangers on all sides. Money, health, status, everywhere. I mean, if we become enamored with money and objects, things, it can be tempting to think that the answer is to just get rid of it all. To pursue a minimalism, a simplicity, stoicism, a kind of voluntary poverty. I mean, this could be a good practice. I don't want to knock it, but it isn't a silver bullet. It's not going to take discontentment out of the picture once and for all. If you're trusting in riches for contentment, trusting in poverty is not your answer. Taking pride in being poor, I mean, 
That could be just the same as taking pride in riches. You look down on those who are rich, the greedy rich. It's, it's just as much a sin as the rich looking down on the poor. I mean, if we experience poverty, it can be tempting to think that the answer to contentment is more money. That perhaps the answer is having nice things. If I just owned a house, if I just had a dishwasher that didn't break all the time, if I didn't have to worry about paying the utilities bill this month, then I'd be content. But riches, or lack of riches, are not the answer to contentment. There's strength that comes from outside of them, and that's what gives you contentment in all of life's circumstances. If we're sick, if we experience uh, issues in life, chronic pain, lifelong illness, I mean, it can be tempting to think about health as the answer. If only we were healthy, we'd be content. If we're unpopular, if at times it seems like no one likes us, well, it can be tempting to think that the answer is actually popularity. If we had a lot of friends, if people admired us, if they looked up to us, well, yeah, then I'd be content. But I think, yeah, I think our experience proves this to be false. I mean, have you ever wanted something so badly that you, maybe you save up for it, maybe it's a car, maybe it's a video game, maybe it's a whatever, and you've wanted this thing so badly and you just get it. And it's almost, there's like this moment of promise of contentment. This thing will fulfill you. And how long is it until that new car, or whatever it is, is not a new car anymore? It's not fulfilling you. It's not contenting you anymore. It's just part of your everyday life. How many things in our lives have really changed, have really brought us contentment, permanent contentment? By so many standards, us Canadians, we are among the richest people who have ever lived. It's an amazing time to be alive. I mean, with medical advancements, entertainment, technology, I mean, all of these things should mean that we are happier and more content than ever. But are we? We need to learn the secret of contentment. We need to find that true source of contentment because our circumstances, they're never going to fulfill us. They're never going to be enough. And that brings me to the second point that I want to talk about tonight, and that's the source of true contentment. As Paul puts it, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And before we, we fully dive in and look at this true source of contentment, it's worth looking at how this verse is, is usually understood. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I mean, this is one of those verses that it gets taken out of context quite a bit. I mean, maybe you've seen it painted on an athlete's face or on a Facebook post before someone does something crazy. Christ is my strength. With him by my side, I can do anything. I can impress my boss and get a I can climb the mountain. There are no limits to my potential when I have Christ. And sure, you might become an astronaut or an engineer or an Olympic athlete or whatever, and Christ might help you do that, but that's not what this text is saying. It's not what the promise is here. So, like yesterday, my wife and I, we moved. It was fun. It's amazing how much junk we managed to hide in a one-bedroom suite. And I definitely prayed, you know, that my back would survive this moving box after box after box. And thankfully it did. 
a little sore, but it, I'm great. But I didn't pray this verse. I didn't stare at our books and chairs and the two different sets of fancy dishes that I'm not actually ever allowed to use. <laughs> I didn't stare at them and say, you know, I can move all these things through him who strengthens me. No, not the point. The point is what Paul says right before. Plenty or hunger, abundance or need. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God can strengthen you and sustain you in it. Now, this is a huge topic, one that could easily be its own sermon series. I could uh, go on and on, but, you know, we'll touch on it briefly from just a couple, couple different angles. And we'll actually go to Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. I'll read it out for you here. The author of Hebrews is touching on something really similar. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And I think this, this touches on how God strengthens us. I mean, how do we pursue contentment with what we have? By realizing that God is our helper. He will never leave us nor forsake us. If we lose our house, if we are entirely bankrupt, how can we be content? By not having money be the, the first priority in our hearts. By knowing that we still have God and that he knows the big picture. He knows where it's all heading. And it's the same, it's the same with riches. I mean, I was just reading in the book of Ecclesiastes a few days ago for personal devotions. And it's talking about a person who labors to get more and more and the riches they never satisfy. And it's not to support anyone, it's just this continually laboring, and it's in vain. If money, if money is first in your heart, well then, that's not going to satisfy. But when money isn't the first place, and God is the first place, you're freed from that. You're freed from the kind of vain pursuit. It isn't, you know, inherently wrong to be wealthy, but if wealth is your primarily love, then yeah, it is inherently wrong. And if you know you have God, that he loves you, that he will never forsake you, that your life is not just about the here and now, but there are great and wonderful things coming, waiting for you, do you need to continually pursue money for contentment and satisfaction? I mean, a lot of the outward things might look the same if your heart is oriented differently. I mean, it, with God in the top priority, maybe you're still working the same, same job, just as hard as ever. You're driving the same car. You're living in the same house. But your, your satisfaction is in God. Your orientation is different. Your entire disposition will be different. I mean, pick any circumstance, and this is the same. Whatever kind of abundance, if it's the first in your heart, it'll enslave you. But with God in the first position, you can break free from that enslavement and your contentment won't depend on your situation. There's some really well-known words from Jesus that he spoke. It's from the Gospels. And I'll read them to you. They come, this is just from the Gospel of Matthew. And I think they answer part of this as well. I'll read this. It's from Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is the answer here. We, we can find our strength in him. If we, don't, if we don't know him, if we haven't come to him, now is the time to listen to him. He died to set us free from sin, to reconcile us to God. If we're weary of whatever situation we're in, if we're not content, if we're seeking contentment in ourselves and our circumstances, well, he's, he's there waiting. The good news is that we don't have to that depend on ourselves, depend on our circumstances. We don't have to continue as we are. We just need to trust him, to have faith in him, to turn from ourselves and our sin and turn to him in faith. For those of you who have already trusted in him, who have that relationship with him, I mean, the answer is to pursue this true contentment. We constantly need reminders. I mean, I definitely know I need reminders constantly myself. At the end of the day, God is sovereign. For me, back pain or no back pain, God is sovereign. He has a plan for my life. Whatever situation I'm in, he knows, he knows the future, he knows my path. I am not held captive to my current situation. We don't need to trust in our circumstances because they don't satisfy. We trust in God and he lifts us out of our current circumstances. He frees us from them. And that brings us to the last point tonight. The outflow of true contentment. God strengthens us. He lifts us out. He frees us from our circumstances. But what does he lift us out to? I'll read Philippians 4, 14 to 20 again. If you want to turn with me there, you can follow along. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I mean, here we see the, the Philippians, they're being thanked by Paul for their, their service time and time again. There's this Godward focus to their giving, though. It's part service to Paul, but it's also part sacrifice to God. And at the beginning of the text this evening, Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And I mean, the language here about reviving concern, it's actually, it's a horticultural term. It's horticultural language. I mean, the old King James, it, it translates it as uh, their care flourishing again. It's as if the Philippians had their concern. It's as if their heart was ready for service, but it was like a, a flower bud waiting to, waiting to bloom, waiting for the right opportunity to burst into flower. And as soon as that opportunity came, they flourished. They gave freely and they sent a helper to Paul, Epaphroditus. Um, you know, they supported him. This is the result of, of contentment. 
So just a quick story about a, a person I know. I remember hearing about a man named, his name, his name was Johnny Faris. Um, not a Christian celebrity, not a super well-known guy. And he's, he's since gone to be with the Lord. But he suffered from, um, I believe it's called spinal muscular atrophy. I mean, he came to Christ later in life. And eventually his disease progressed to the point where he was completely bedridden and paralyzed. And um, you would actually hear him talk about his affliction or his disease. And he would quote uh, Psalm 119.71. It is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. And that's kind of, I mean, it's difficult to wrap your head around, isn't it? This affliction, this suffering, it's good for me. It's teaching me something. For him, his suffering was, was a learning experience. It taught him to depend on God and not on himself. And I mean, that in itself, just, just leaving it there, that's inspiring to me. Whatever my circumstances, whether good or bad, you know, I need to depend on God and not myself. I'm going to find contentment in that, not in poverty or abundance or health or whatever. But Johnny, in his paralyzed state, unable to get out of bed, unable to move his hands, he didn't stay there. But he served God and he served others. With his tongue, he operated a computer and coded a website for the denomination he was a part of, uh, a sort of church directory. With his tongue, he, he sent out emails, prayer requests from the different churches, and, and sort of spread that around. I mean, his situation should have caused despair. He should have been in despair. But God freed him from that circumstance. And he used his freedom to serve God and to serve others. And it's in this, I would suggest that we can imitate the Philippians. I mean, Paul thanks the Philippians for their service, for their partnership, for giving to him and their support of him in the advance of the gospel. I mean, the, the language Paul is using, it characterizes what their gift was. It was a sacrifice to God. I mean, their gift was certainly for Paul, for their concern for him, but there was also, again, the, the Godward direction of it. So if we are trapped in our circumstances, we're not going to think like this. If we're rich, we seek things, we seek our contentment in riches, we're not going to give to other people. Our first priority is wealth, and that's what we'll pursue. The flip side is, if we're poor, and we seek our contentment in riches as well, we're also not going to give. We're not going to be like the poor widow in the Gospels, who gave basically her last few cents. Because that's what she had, and that's what she wanted to do. We'll hoard. We'll wait. We'll wait to give. But God isn't, you know, he's never really calling for a specific dollar amount. If we're freed from our circumstances, if we're freed from seeking contentment in them, our heart, our desires, they belong to God. Are we rich? We're content in God. He is our strength. So we will hold money loosely in our hands and we'll give freely when the opportunity is there. Are we poor? Jesus is not a heavy burden. He doesn't expect money you don't have. But maybe you have time to give to others. Advice? Mentorship? Are you sick? Maybe God is calling you to minister to others who are sick. To share your contentment with those who are currently discontented.
so as we come to a close, let's all of us examine our own hearts and our contentment. If you've never experienced contentment from God, I mean, listen, listen to the words of Jesus. Come to him. Believe and trust him. It's in him that you'll find forgiveness. It's in him that you'll find rest and contentment. And if you know God, you might be like me and you need reminders pretty well all the time. We have someone who is greater than our circumstances, one who knows the path our life will take, who loves us and is continually working for our good. I mean, it's a good reminder that we don't need to trust in our circumstances. They will always fail us. It's a good reminder that we, we don't need to trust in them. It's a good reminder that, you know, if we've lost sight of the one who actually strengthens us, we can turn our eyes back. Are we so focused on health or wealth that we aren't giving, we aren't serving, or partnering for the good of others and for the glory of God? So, I mean, let's, let's just remind ourselves of the secret of true contentment, of the one who strengthens us. Let's be free. Let's not be, let's not be bound to our circumstances. Let's be free. Let's be free to love others and serve others and be ready to be used by God, to serve God, just like the Philippians did, whenever we have the opportunity. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love you've shown us, for sending your son to die in our place, for not leaving us without hope. You made a way for us to be reconciled to you. We thank you for your love for us. Jesus, we thank you for your humility in dying for sinners and taking the place of us who don't deserve it, reconciling us to you. We pray your gospel would continue to go forth and people would continue to, to know you and meet you and that you would continue that reconciliation. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and that you would bring joy and that we pray that you would help us look to God in all of our circumstances, that you would help us to see Christ as he truly is and to give us strength. So God, that we ask, we ask that you would just teach us true contentment. That what we find in you would be freeing. It would set us free from our circumstances. And that being set free, we would love others and be able to freely give for their sake, but also, Lord, for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.